Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Scott Kuhn. Scott currently serves as the manager of applied sports science for LSU football. In this episode, we discuss why and how you should be monitoring your training and wellness data. Scott and I also discuss how he uses RPE to monitor training load and the future of athlete monitoring. Scott is a really smart guy and is somebody that you should be following on social media if you are interested in improving your health and performance. Also, check out the show notes. I've included a link to Scott's website where he's got some really cool performance products, including an amazing four-block warm-up template, which you will find very useful. So now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Scott, it's a pleasure to have you on today. I appreciate you joining me from Baton Rouge. It's very humbling to be on with you, Eric. Thank you for having me. You got it. So you are a sports scientist. Uh, What is the exact title you have at LSU? Manager of Applied Sports Science, which uh, really interestingly abbreviates to math. (laughs) (laughs) That is really funny. Was that intentional or unintentional? Knowing Jake, it may have been intentional, but I had to point it out to him. And then he realized, and he was just like, oh, that's really sick that it worked out that way. So unintentional, unfortunately, but great so nonetheless. So if you to give people an elevator pitch of what your job is, what would you say your job is at LSU? So the way I spin it to recruits is that I, I'm basically a nerdy strength coach, um, is the most uh, eloquent way to put it. But uh, really what I do is I, I work in the intermediary of data and sport and trying to bridge the gap between the two and, and tell the stories that are there with, as you know, there, there's an abundance of technologies out there to assist in the, the development of athletes um, and where kind of the, everything has been moving and where it you know, ultimately needs to move is, is what is this data telling us? And so I kind of work in that intermediary to tell those stories between performance staff, medical staff, the football staff, and, you know, any other personnel that has a hand in working with the athletes, because the, the more people that are, are interacting with these athletes and have a hand on these athletes, the, the more synchronicity there needs to be in what's happening with them. We, we can't have one side of the, the facility thinking one thing and the other side thinking the diametrical opposite. So uh, I, I work to bring all that together and make it all make sense to all the stakeholders that are involved in the organization. I got it. So you're looking at things, well, like what type of data sets are you looking at in your job? So we have Catapult, which is our GPS system that for those who aren't familiar, tell us how far the players are running, how fast they're running, how many times they're doing it. And that data breaks out to over 1100 something metrics from uh, Catapult. So it basically just allows us to understand what they're doing mechanically on the field. We have elite form on the uh, weight room side of things that tells us how they're moving the bar, what kind of power they're producing, how much force they're producing, how fast they're moving it. We have um, a force X, which tells us how they jump, how they produce their power, uh, both in terms of the overall output and then on their left and their right side. So if they're an athlete that's coming back from injury or they just have a natural uh, bias towards a, an inherent asymmetry. Uh, we have a Nord board that tells us their hamstring strength and helps us to manage it, particularly for our skill athletes, make sure that their hamstrings are staying nice and strong so we don't increase our risk of injury for that muscle group. We have aura rings on 25 of our guys at the moment, so we're able to see how they're sleeping, how their bodies are responding to the training that we're doing with them. And I'm trying to think, looking out there. So you have measures of their training, like their exercise. Like I'm just trying to bring this back to like the average person. Like the catapult is like a glorified 
souped up Apple Watch, right? It's telling you what you do during exercise. You're using an O-ring. I think a lot of people are familiar with that. You're also looking at the outputs they're generating during exercise and training with the catapult and with the uh, elite form. So, you know, why is it important to track all this information besides just like, what is it going to actually deliver to people? I think it really fundamentally comes back to what it is that you're, you're looking to do uh, in training or in sport is that you're applying a dose of a given remedy, be it exercise, be it training, be it practice. And you want to understand what response is being elicited in the body. And in, you know, the space that I work in, we're at the, the cutting edge and we, we have to have our athletes performing their absolute best when it matters most. And the, the more we understand about how their bodies respond to a given practice load, a given training modality, where their, their readiness is at on game day when it matters most, we can understand you know, are we applying the right stressors at the right times? Are we giving them too much, too little? Are, are we improving their ability to meet the demands that are going to be imposed on them on Saturdays? Or is there a gap that's being left somewhere in the training that we've got to identify and intervene on? So it just, at a really, really high level, it helps us to better quantify and understand that dose response relationship in the training process. I like that dose response relationship because just because you apply a specific dose on one day doesn't mean that you're going to adapt to it the same way every time because you may have other things going on. You may have financial stressors. You may have family stressors that are the picture, all sorts of different things. Um, from a, like a consumer perspective or general population perspective, do you think it's important for people that are want to be high performers? And the way I define high performance is doing your job at your best with minimal perturbations from your best. Meaning like if you're a truck driver and your job is to drive from Texas to Ohio, that you can drive, you know, you're very attentive, you're safe, you're navigating the roads with you know, minimal perturbations. If you're an accountant, you know, it's your ability to do the mathematics and think about the problems that maybe your client has. Do you think it's important for people that are wanting to be high performers in their profession to track and measure their data? around their health absolutely uh, you know health with is absolutely one of the biggest drivers of performance in in sport and in, in life and in you know any domain that you want to uh dive into from there and so that the more you understand and quantify the, the inputs going into that the, the higher degree of confidence you can have about the output that's going to emerge from it and you know i don't think we'll ever be at the point in any facet where we're able to write out the algorithm or the equation that guarantees us this performance. There's always going to be the human element to it. But the more we understand about it, the, the better we're going to have a degree of confidence. So when we, you know, in sport, when we get out there, we're going to be able to make the play that we need to make. You know, if you're on Wall Street, you're going to be able to make the, the accurate decision about when to buy, when to sell. And the, the less you're going to leave to chance, and be sat there wondering, well, what went wrong? And I think that's where a lot of, you know, I, I know you've seen the, the shift in, in your time in, in sport before it was just throw things at the wall, hope they stick. And uh, when it doesn't stick, you just shrug your shoulders and, and keep it moving. But, you know, having a much more critical process of understanding what went into the development of the athletes or the development of, you know, whoever it may be in, in, their, um, in their aspect of life, 
the more you understand that, the more you can, can quantify that and figure out, you know, what drove these KPIs up? Why didn't these other KPIs move? Or why did these KPIs go down? The, the more you can start to draw those associations between what you did going into them, the, the more you can make changes going forward and, and be less wrong. I don't know that we'll ever have it to where we're right, but it's about kind of being less wrong and kind of whittling away. It's that whole, um, somebody asked Michelangelo when he was carving David, you know, how did you, you carve him? And effectively he said, I carved away at everything that was not him. And so just speaking to that kind of that via negativa approach of let's just chip away at what things aren't uh, and what's, you know, not helping us uh, so that maybe that process becomes a little less wrong and leads us more towards the, the outcomes that we want. I like that. Performance is about being less wrong. Um, what do you personally track for your health and wellness? Because, I mean, you are in a high-pressure job that requires a lot of time, a lot of work. And essentially, although you are fit and you look great in your medium shirt, you are rewarded from a performance standpoint by your brain. That, that's where it is. That nobody's expecting you to go out and run a fast 40 or lift heavy weights. Like, your job is to help tell stories with data that can then, and sometimes, you know, the head coach may ask you your opinion and you, you want to be able to try to give them an opinion where the ball's in the fairway. So what are you tracking for your personal health and wellness, knowing, like, you have all this wealth of knowledge about what drives an elite athlete. What do you care about? So I'm actually wearing both right now. Uh, I rely on my Apple Watch to just kind of see my day-to-day -day activity, make sure I'm, you know, not getting too dormant because there are days that I'm, you know, relegated to sitting at my computer and just chipping away at stuff that's got to get done in our AMS. So I make sure I'm getting up. I make sure I'm, you know, active throughout my day. I, I do strive to get a workout in because I enjoy the, the kind of carrot that dangles in front of me to complete the rings, if you will. So making sure I do find some way to get active every day and get some sort of lifting or conditioning or sprinting in. I firmly believe in, you know, eating in your own kitchen that we have the athletes eating in, if you will. Uh, and then I also have an aura ring that I, I'm very, that's been a, probably a, one of the biggest um, additions to, you know, managing my overall health and wellness. I, I actually, this was a, uh, a residual demo from my time at Arizona. We were looking to get them for our women's basketball team there and I was the uh, I moved into a formal role but I was kind of informally over sports science there uh, so I was going to trial it and just see what it was about what sort of data it gave us back and you know what the athletes day-to-day -day would be using the app and so having this on all the time being able to see readiness scores what my sleep looked like overnight uh, and then being able to draw some inferences between decisions I make and and actions I take, you know, particularly going into bed. So like, I, I know if I, you know, if I drink, it, it's going to have a huge impact on my resting heart rate, my heart rate variability, and in turn, the quality of my sleep. You know, I also know, and I've, this is something I've picked up on that if I, I usually go to bed around 9 p.m. every night. And I know that if I don't get about two hours to really wind down, get some of what they call their restorative time, where you're just, you're very, very relaxed, not doing much. I know that that has bearing on my ability to get to a truly restful state. So just knowing that, you know, and, and kind of setting that hard boundary for myself that I will be home by 7 p.m. every night, no matter what's left on the, the checkbox. Like it, so, you know, part of it, it puts that, that time incentive in front of me that if I've got something that I've got to get done, uh, I'll make sure it's done by 7 p.m. And I'll, you know, prioritize getting that work done throughout the day so that I can be home by 7 because I know I'm, like you said, only as good as my brain's ability to function optimally. And so if I'm not putting myself in that state because I'm 
you know, grinding away at the end of the day and I get home and I've got an hour left to wind down and get myself ready for bed, I know that's going to eat into the next day. And it's just going to become this, this negative feedback or this positive feedback loop that bears bad fruit for me in the future. So those are probably the two biggest ones that I rely on heavily. I, I used to stick with Omega Wave, but it, uh, it gets frustrating when you're in the throes of a, uh, an off season and it's just telling you all the time that you can't do anything. So that one's kind of gone to the wayside. If you're someone that's pushing to be your best at home, at work, or in your personal life, then I invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter, Adaptation. In this newsletter, I carry actionable information and resources on sleep, exercise, mental performance, diet, and so much more. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah, you know, you and I have talked about this before. You can do, like, look, screw Aura, screw all that stuff. You know, I have a company named Seven. Like, you know, we, we look at adaptability. You can do essentially whatever you want to do each day. Granted, you, you can walk and run. The cost is just going to be higher. And eventually, you're going to have to pay the cost. So you could be like, forget this thing. You know, forget the fact that I haven't worked out in five weeks. I'm going to go crush it on the squat rack. And then you blow out your hamstring. Or you're not getting enough sleep, and then eventually, like, you start making really bad decisions at work, and it comes back to bite you, or you're just not mentally sharp. So what tools do you recommend for, like, really hardcore folks that are like, man, this is really important to me? Or what type of simplistic things could somebody put in place if they wanted to monitor their own performance? And this could be, as a, you know, in the workplace, their own basic health. You know, what do you, what do you think? You know, just from the, the work that I've been able to do and, you know, understanding kind of the more pragmatic aspects of implementing that for somebody who, you know, their life isn't necessarily being an athlete um, or training, it, it could be something as simple as RPE. Uh, a lot of the research has shown how, you know, kind of holistic and comprehensive RPE can be because if you're stressed, you know, I always, the way I felt to my athletes is if you're stressed, if you have no money in your bank account. You fought with your girlfriend last night. You slept four hours and, you know, all these things add up. You're going to rate that session a lot higher because of kind of the, the allostatic load or the, the stress that you're dealing with elsewhere. You've taken so much more out of that, that bank account, if you will, dealing with other things. So it's going to reflect that that session is coming at a much higher cost to you than it otherwise might. So conversely... So when you say RPE, you're saying at the end of the session rating how hard it was on a scale of one to 10? Correct. Yeah. So 10 being, holy crap, hardest thing I've ever done. One being as easy saunter on the treadmill and, you know, just building out your own kind of, you know, anchors for, for what those things mean to you, but just tracking that over time. And I think it can be really effective and ultimately help, you know, motivate yourself to come back and, you know, let's say you do a given workout in week one and you rate it as an eight when you do it and you come back eight weeks later, you rate it and you give it a six and you go back and you check, you know, if you keep a training journal or if you have an app that tracks it for you, come back and check that and you say, you know, I did the same session eight weeks later and I thought it was much easier, you know, without readily having to go into a physiology lab somewhere and test your VO2 or whatever it may be, you can make some inferences that you've made positive adaptations and that the, the program that you're on is working. And I think that's very reinforcing that, you know, you're on the right track, you're making progress. Cause I think it's very, very easy in, in training and in life to get caught up in the, the minutia of a, how a single workout goes. 
But then when you, you, you zoom out and you see the overall trend, you realize there's these little ebbs and flows, but the trend is still upward. And uh, so I think having those kind of those check-in opportunities where, you know, if you're consistently keeping data, and this was actually from a conversation with uh, Chip Adams that I had, uh, him and I had a lot of good conversations. And, you know, he, he said it very eloquently that, you know, if I'm taking a subjective data point one time, it, that is what it is. It's subjective. But he's like, but an accumulation of subjective points is a data stream. And now there, there's information to be derived from it, that action that can be taken from seeing the, the trend of even something as subjective as a, a one to 10 rating. So keeping that for yourself, being able to see it, it, it's very easy to implement. It's, you know, if you're writing in your training journal, just write the RP at the end of the day. If you have an app, there's probably a note section that you can just drop that in. And then going back and, and reviewing it and seeing it can, can help kind of reinforce what trend you're on. I love it. So you think RPE is something that's really important. What else would you say is like a simple but effective tool? I mean, do you, do you weigh yourself daily? Do you sleep or something, just hours of sleep? Like what else would you want to look at? Do yeah, I certainly, uh, I certainly weigh myself day to day. Uh, I'm not as necessarily caught up in it because I know how wildly it can, it can fluctuate. But weighing yourself every day, if you have the ability to, you know, there, there's even apps out there that, you can uh, use to track sleep. Like my favorite is sleep cycle that relies on just kind of uh, the sound pattern of your body at night to give you emphasis about when you're in deep sleep, when you're in, you know, REM sleep or light sleep. And obviously we know that's difficult to do without gold standard testing, but at the very least Thank it gets you, you in the ball. That. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but it at least gets you in the ballpark about what your sleep habits are. And that, you know, there's abilities to uh, like, you can add tags to your, your night. So you can say like you drank alcohol or you worked out or you went in the sauna or whatever it may be. And it'll give you feedback actually on what behaviors or actions you take throughout the day and how they impact your sleep. And it's, it's a very comprehensive app as far as being able to see what things bear impact on your sleep. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit you know, lower cost compared to like an aura ring or a fatigue science band, uh, I like the sleep cycle app a lot. And I've used that one probably actually since I was playing college football. And so yeah, I was always very aware of that. Yep, go ahead. I used it too. I have used it on top of the Apple Watch before. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's cheap too. It's not very much money. And it all comes in through Apple Health Kit. So sleep, a simple RPE, just like one to 10, how hard was this session? Write it in your notes in your phone or write it in your training log or I went on a 30 minute run and it felt like this and just kind of tracking that over time, your body weight, anything else? If you do have the, the desire to invest, uh, I, I'm a firm believer in the aura ring and the, I, I think where they're winning in the wearable space, in my opinion, is the, and I think this the segues very naturally into what AIM-7 does, but it, that it, it gives you pragmatic feedback and, you know, some action items for, you know, not just telling you, hey, you slept terribly last night. Okay, what do I do? It understands how to effectively, you know, intervene based on your normative data and, you know, what's kind of just practical for the everyday human being. So I'm a very big fan of the Aura Ring. Uh, if you're looking to get into kind of monitoring and managing your lifestyle a little bit more of a uh, cost intensive uh, point, if you will. I think the data is really good. I think where they're missing though, is the education, like true education on how to create conditions for restful and fulfilling sleep. Like they show you the very good descriptive data, but it's not like from ground zero, how do I build a sleep lifestyle all the way up and then like daily feedback on that. I think that's where they need to grow, but that's where that plugs into our system take care of that form exactly and that's where I, you know 
that's where I think it needs to go. Like you've got a lot of these great silos of information that come in through different wearables, different platforms. But again, you know, kind of like I spoke to with, with what my role is, you can't look at these different silos in isolation. They have to all come together to have a better, more comprehensive understanding of how they, they work in synchronicity with each other to arrive at the outcomes that you want. Where do you think the future of this stuff is going? I think it's going towards less invasive ways to continually monitor people. Like I think the, you know, I remember when we were at Kentucky, the fatigue science bands, guys would complain about having to wear that at night. And I can, I could understand that. Like I wouldn't want to sleep with my Apple watch on. Now it's a ring and you're getting that same data back in. It's, it's, I didn't notice it at all the first night I slept with it and I was totally fine. And it's, I barely noticed that I wear a ring now and I never wore rings before. So I think it, wearables are you know, going to become almost immersed in us, if you will. Uh, and we're not going to notice them, but we're going to be able to, you know, you, and you already see it with uh, some of the features of the Apple Health Kit. You're going to have numbers that can, can pump into there and your doctor can get a notification about like, oh, this, this number was off that we got from XYZ wearable that's, you know, implanted under their skin or whatever it may be. So I think everything's just going to get a lot more, things are going to talk more to each other and communicate more proactively and catch things before you even catch them. Like it, it was very funny the other day. So the way I have our aura ring data set up in our athlete monitoring management system, it'll give us a flag if they're potentially getting sick, just based on significant deviations in their resting heart rate, their HRV, respiration rate, and their temperature change overnight. And had a couple of guys flag that they were possibly getting sick. And so I went out to just ask them without asking any sort of leading question, just, you know, hey, how are you feeling today? And one of them was like, well, I've been a little congested the last day or so. So then I brought him in just to show him like, hey, you know, here's what your aura ring data is telling us. And uh, so then had him get with our nutritionist to get a nutritional intervention going, send him away with, you know, just put yourself in bed a little bit later tonight. Let's see, you know, eat a good dinner, good nutritious dinner, go to sleep a little earlier. Let's see how you feel the next day. Came in the next day, wide eyed, like, how did you guys find that? I feel so much better today. And so just the ability to, to catch illness before it happens, to catch disease states before they potentially get really bad. I think a lot of that is where technology is heading is to how can it be a part of our everyday life without being invasive, if you will. Because like doing Omega Wave uh, at Kentucky, you got to get 18 to 22 year olds to sit and lie still for five minutes in you know a calm environment. And getting them to do that so we could get the data that we get very, very high utility data, but to get it without the noise of them just sitting down in the locker room and doing it while they're talking to their teammates was a difficult task. Hard. Yeah. And so the more we can get those sorts of data streams without it being a significant deviation from a given person's day-to-day lifestyle, I think that's truly where people are looking to head in that space. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your, your time your wisdom on this and uh, where can people follow you or find you? So all of my social media is my first name, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, and then last name, K-U-E-H-N, 88. That's Twitter, that's Instagram. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that has a bunch of exercise demonstration videos on it. And then my uh, performance website that has a couple of different warm-up templates and some stuff that's a little bit more oriented towards performance coaches is under Scott Kuhn Performance. Perfect. We'll put all that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us today, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate you, Eric. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you learned something, do me a favor and take a screenshot of the episode and share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.